What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV pod. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm here with Ryan Rosillo. We're cowboys now. Ryan, what's going on, man? What's good? Well, wait a minute. To... Just sort of echo Jimmy in this full scope of the season. Uh, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing all right. You know, I had a quite a New Year's. Both of my girlfriends showed up. You know, there was a little bit of a fist fight over some cores and some whiskey, but we made it through. We're here to recap uh, the finale of Yellowstone season four. Uh, we missed episode nine. I think that's okay. You know, episode th- these things basically run as a big piece. And you know, we were just chatting about Jimmy here. Can I just say, I'm going to zag and say that Jimmy wound up being my favorite part of this season by far. I can't believe it. It's it's unbelievable. First of all, that that's your take. It's also the right <laughs> one, which might be more unbelievable um, because I agree with you. It's the first note that I have after watching the finale and then kind of going back and thinking about the entire season. We thought this guy was getting punted to Texas at the four sixes. We were never going to see him again. And it was like, okay, that's going to be the plant. And then actually it was a Jimmy season. Yeah. So I don't know if he's... I think MVP is a little strong. Um, six man doesn't seem like it's enough, but he's certainly the most improved. And even though I wouldn't say like now all of a sudden Jimmy's my favorite character, like it's going to be hard for anybody to surpass Rip for me. The season four with all of these other things that were supposed to be a huge deal, it was kind of the Jimmy season. And I never saw that coming. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I first of all, I completely agree. When they first sent Jimmy to the four sixes, I thought it and it was happening in conjunction with having like long passages of 1883 playing on the show. I was like, Oh, okay. They're just kind of like dabbling in the extended Yellowstone universe. These shows are the spinoffs. We're just going to get a little piece of this. Then the Jimmy thing winds up becoming a season long thing. I think he's in every single episode. And in some of those episodes, he has more screen time than Jamie. He has more screen time than Casey. But the thing is, is that when you get to the finale and when you get to the end of the episode, Jimmy's arc is the only discernible, logical, traditional rise, fall, rise of the entire season. Like he actually changes as a character. 
He goes on an adventure. He finds out something about himself. And when he gets back to the Yellowstone, there's like a resolution to his experience. And I actually thought it was the most like human and relatable part of this season, which I think as we've acknowledged over the course of talking about it, we have a lot of affection for the show and a lot of affection for Taylor does, but it's been a pretty up and down hit or miss season. But the Jimmy thing against all odds wound up becoming kind of, kind of revelatory. Yeah. You know, it, it made sense. Right. Um, and as we've admitted, and I'm really surprised how consistently I still always like the horse stuff, you know, even going back to episode nine, where we see Taylor, um, as Travis, where, you know, he goes and does some some horse maneuvers, you know, yeah. where he's boxing in a cattle one-on-one, and then he just immediately two cups of whiskey, hands one to the other guy who's like a real dude, because you can always see that they're just a little off in front of the camera. And I don't know if Taylor loves writing for Travis, but he makes Travis such, like he's <laughs> awesome, but he sucks too, which I think is what Taylor was trying to do. Just with little subtle lines, whether it was the Roadhouse monologue when they drove down to the four sixes originally in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Or which was hilarious. He was just like, man, fucking Roadhouse is the greatest show ever. And then he's also <laughs> mentioning like Sam Elliott while he's writing a show for Sam Elliott in 1883. I mean, this really is starting to feel like the Marvel Universe, but it's the Sheridan Universe. And so when he says to him, he's like, hey, we're going to the bar. He's like, oh, you don't have to ask me twice. Like that's something a <laughs> douchebag in your friend group would say. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's like the guy making the same stupid golf joke on the course where, you know, you're like, all right, whatever. And he still might be your friend, but it's very predictable. So um, to have Jimmy, you know, go down and do some of the ranching stuff, which again was cool. This The scenery is unbelievable. It's like dances yeah. with wolves every five minutes, you know, with some of these shots. So I don't know if it was that Jimmy and the storyline was so great. I made a noise when he rolled in and was like, hey, do you get a chair for my fiance? Like, fuck, you're going to do that to Mia? Like, that was so harsh. But I, it, it was a reaction. I don't know if the Jimmy storyline stands out, Chris, so much because it was so good or the other ones felt so incomplete. Yeah, and and just jagged. Like, and we can get to that stuff in a second. I would just say with the Jimmy also had like the greatest... Um, TV critic is in the show itself where when Mia's like, how could you bring her here? And he's like, cause you don't fucking work here. <laughs> like somehow he got, must've gotten a text message being like, man, they fired all the barrel racers, but then he shows up and it is true. It's like how Laramie and Mia are just like hanging out at the ranch. I'm like, where do you guys live? I guess Laramie like lives in Walker's bunk, but what does Mia do? Like drive two hours home every day? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why Mia's so bummed out. Yeah. Her options are limited. I would still think as a barrel racer, you would have better options than Jimmy. Um, and now that Jimmy was like, all right, you know, you kind of bounced. And then the classic, like, you didn't fight. And you're like, ah, that's the worst. I mean, like, you were really tough to deal with. And I didn't want to, like, you asked me to fight for you when it was the worst time. Maybe I'm talking about something else now. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> the point is... Uh, that that was a scene though, like it gave me something. I mean, even though it was like, hey, let's throw a little fight in here, you know, let's let's yeah. do something. Let's when just he walks show in, how cool yeah. Emily is that she's gonna get in like a a bar bar brawl and then immediately start drinking whiskey and playing poker. It's like, could, could this person be any more of an all star? Yeah, right. And I'm a vet, which is just a better <laughs> career path. That's right. And a barrel racer. I mean, no offense to the barrel racers listening. Gallagher, I was talking to uh, our our old coworker Jason Gallagher on text, and he he mentioned that um. In the beginning, they kind of set the four sixes up as if it was going to be like Navy SEAL training. And they were, they were like, you're going to be in hell, brother. Wait, wait till you get there. They're going to run you through the ringer. And it does seem like after the first few days at the four sixes, it's just basically paradise. It's, and, and Jimmy says that. He's like, 
I just like not having to fight for the right to do what I want to do, like to be a cowboy because the guy next to me is a cowboy and the guy on the other side is a cowboy. And it's all, and it is kind of, I thought it was like a really nice line, but it is funny because when they first set up the four sixes, you know, it just made it sound like Jimmy was going to be going to Gitmo. And instead he was like, oh yeah, this was like a really good experience and a beautiful place to work. Yeah. Remember, I was like, this is this even necessary? Like, you're going to wake this guy up for breakfast and then be like, sorry, can't eat, dude. <laughs> you know? And then there's a, there's a plate waiting for him when he gets back and he looks like it's it's John Malkovich in Empire of the Sun eating rice, you know? So I don't... <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. What a but, great, great uh, pull. I love him in that movie, man. I love it. That's one of my all-time favorite movies, man. Empire of the Sun is, is, is just... I wonder if Bill would ever let us do rewatchables for that. Why not? I mean, it's Christian Bale's breakout and it's a yeah. child star nailing it as a child who then becomes one of the bigger, biggest actors in the industry for an absurd amount of time, which doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like is, is Finn Little going to star in Inception in 30 years? Is he going to be Batman? Probably not. <laughs> right. No offense. I mean, I, I don't want to put a ceiling on anybody, Finn. So, you know, um, but no, it's that's a really... That's a really good point um, from Gallagher because I kind of like every time we got more Jimmy and then it's like, wait, we're actually getting like a real love story where he's faced with this this decision. And that line is is a great line too. like, hey, man, there's no big sky in Montana. There's no yeah. downtown Bozeman. Like I've I've driven through West Texas. Um, and then I, when I told people I drove through West Texas, they were like, yeah, that's not West Texas. <laughs> they were like, no, you didn't. And so I thought I did. And is it, so that's I, the that's the like thirteen hour drive, right? Is to get is to get out of Texas to the west, right? It's like when you're if you're driving from Austin or something like that. Isn't I didn't that have the, to do that. That was I was in Lubbock, Odessa, Midland, and then the, I was I was told, no, you're wrong. So I'm admitting now that I thought like McShay and I were driving through just cotton fields and trying to get out of Lubbock so that we could make our way to an airport. And like, I think we, we obviously, I think screwed it up the first time through. And so we were just driving around being like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and it's a really great, you know, encapsulates like, Hey, I can be down here and not be at war with neighbors that want my land because yeah, right. you know, there's, there's no big sky resort here. Um, were you guys doing some kind of like Friday night lights pilgrimage or was it just like no. you've been working at a, a college football game? Yeah. But the greatest game I've ever been to Lubbock, um, for Texas Tech knocking off number one Texas 2008 last second Crabtree like, touchdown. Holy shit, that was the Crabtree game. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best game. It's the best single sporting event I've ever been to live. Oh my! And so God. I have a soft spot for Lubbock uh, because it was it was Halloween. The new Batman had just come out, so all the students were dressed up like "Why So Serious" signs everywhere, <laughs> and then you have like Texas Pristine coming out to greet their band, and Texas Tech like we went to the walkthrough. And kids were in overalls. One guy was barefoot. One guy was in work boots. One guy was covered in, in like motor oil because he was working on his truck. That was the offensive line doing their walkthrough was the least impressive walkthrough I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. But Texas had gone on this stretch. They had to play like an absurd five game stretch. So they lose. And I was right in the corner when Crabtree caught it in between two like young defensive backs, screwed it up. And so I've talked to Graham Harrell about it a million times. You know, we had him on. Um, it's the greatest single event I've ever been to for a bunch of different reasons, not just the outcome. So yeah, that was my one experience in that part of the country. Jesus, that's am it's amazing. I was going to ask you if you thought Emily and Mia was even really a choice, but but we 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 kind of covered that. I mean, obviously. But the Mia thing isn't done, is it? Right? I mean, it's a TV well, show. I don't know if it's. I I I now I'm now I think Jimmy's going back to Texas. They'll start 
four sixes as a show next year with Jimmy and, and like a couple of other people and maybe Walker will go down there or something like that. But that was always what I thought was going to happen. So I, I don't know whether or not Mia is going to continue to be on Yellowstone. So this was sort of my larger question is like the end of season three has this incredible cliffhanger uh, where you're not sure which one of, if any of the Dutton children have been killed, including John, there's this, this shootout. Everybody goes into season four being like this, who's going to live? What are they going to do when they find out who did this to them? Who did this to them? And we kind of got this like very uneven story that essentially never really resolves itself because Casey kills most of the guys who did it in the first episode. And then there's like this lack of communication between characters, between Beth and Casey and Jamie and John about like who's looking into what and who this guy in prison is and what role Jamie's dad has in the whole affair. And we get to the end of this season and I'm, I kind of wonder like maybe this is good and maybe this allows the show to have like a soft reset because all of the characters now, they, they owe one another something, but we've kind of like wiped the slate. It looks like Jackie Weaver is kind of going to be a little bit out, more out of the mix. How are you feeling at the end of this season about like how they resolved what we were kind of like not complaining about We were complaining about it. We were just like a little bit like what the hell is going on here? Yeah, I mean, all of this is kind of like a basketball player that you love and, you know, they have 20 in a playoff game, but it just wasn't quite dominant enough. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what season four has felt like because I still like the show. I still watch it, but you know, I'd be lying if I felt like, and I, I don't mind a million storylines. I don't mind a, a wide net. You know, I think sometimes this handholding that we see in television actually drives me crazy. You know, I, I hate hearing about certain things. It's like, oh, there's too many people or whatever, but there just wasn't, I just don't think there was enough investment on the storylines. So then when there's not enough investment on the storylines, you're like, okay, so I don't know that I care about this resolution as much. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's kind of why we like the Jimmy and Emily thing, because it actually had more screen time invested. Jamie doesn't show up on the screen until minute 55 of the finale. Yeah, that's inc it's incredible. I don't know what they were doing with Jamie. I don't know. Like, Wes Bentley shoots all his scenes either in an office or a meadow this season. Like, it seemed like they shot his stuff in like three days. It's wild. Right. And so, like, I get that it was kind of like this nuclear Beth option where they're teasing us with the entire time. It's like, is Beth going to actually murder somebody? Is she asking Walker about jail because she's expecting to go to jail? And the conjugal visit thing is about her and Rip, and that's why she wants to marry. You know what I mean? Like, there was things that were happening where I'm like, okay, they're planning these kind of teases in our head of what some potential storylines could be. And then none of those things really were that. I mean, the conjugal visit scene didn't you know, it was just getting confirmation that this guy in jail was involved and that Jamie was involved, but it wasn't really Jamie. It was Jamie's dad. And so then it's like, okay, so Jamie's kind of in the clear long term because he can say that he never knew until he knew. And then they put him in a conflict between choosing his father where it feels like it's reconciled and still his attachment to the Dutton ranch. But I do think they also had the John Dutton and Jamie's original dad lunch scene. Mm -hmm. as a way to be like, hey, you know what? Jamie's dad isn't all that altruistic either. Like this no. might be going back at John. So then when we have the finale where, you know, that was great. The dialogue was great about, hey, I love you, son. You know, if you could just not have their fear and not answer them. And you can tell something's a little off because Jamie's kind of losing his shit. Yeah. But when he pops him, it's a great moment. You know, we finally got that kind of season finale moment late. But I don't know if there was enough investment for us to be fucking blown away by this super dramatic scene because there were just, I don't know, I, I, I felt like, 
I felt like they were just like, I don't even know what the hell to do with Casey. Like, okay, you're cold outside for four fucking days. And, He's and been like, in health and safety protocols the entire season, man. They just had him. I, yeah. I mean, I could go down the list. There's more things like even the market equities. We're like, okay, so now what happened there? And like, am I supposed to care about summer? And then she gets sent us to jail 15 years. But now actually now it should be cool by Friday. There just felt like there were a lot of things that I wanted a little bit more investment in so that I cared about the resolution or the development of it. And in fact, like I kind of was more detached from caring than I thought I would be. I think that there were a couple of things this season. I namely the investigation into who tried to kill the Duttons and basically like that, that whole market equities thing about how we're, we're going to just like put a four star hotel in every Valley. We're going to pave over the entire place. And this tension between John wanting to keep Montana the way the one that he grew up in and like, and, and keep it looking the same, keep it feeling the same. That's interesting. And then the investigation is interesting, but they never really committed to either of them and spent so much time with Jimmy and so much time with Casey kind of wandering around and not really being in the main show at all that they kind of never really felt that dramatic to your point about Jamie killing his dad. It's almost like it would have been more interesting if Jamie had come to that conclusion himself rather than getting blackmailed by Beth, because when you introduce the blackmail part of it, Jamie has just as much to blackmail his father over. I mean, it's not like it's like Jamie knows where to dump the body because that's where the Yellowstone Ranch dumps all their dead bodies. <laughs> so when Beth's like, I own you now, Jamie can be like, hey, you know what? Like, we all do a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're really blackmailing each other. I killed this guy. It is what it is. But I felt like some of the... Um, some of the journey to get to the conclusions, the conclusions were fine, but the journey didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, right. He could just be like, so wait, you're going to get me like Jamie could just play it off and be like, all right. So a year later, I owe you because you have a video of me. Well, you were complicit in this entire fucking thing. Now, granted, it's way worse for me because I pulled the trigger on the entire guy. So yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. But I mean, there's sort of the detachment, the disbelief of, hey, we're watching a TV show here a little bit. Um, I'm just, was, I just felt like I was kind of over Beth. Yeah. You know, like I get it. She's a wild card. She's fucking crazy. She's been a great character, um, but it was very Beth heavy. It was very Jimmy heavy, and maybe I would have liked a little one more thing with John and Jamie's, you know, biological father. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I would have liked. I know they they're leaving us with this tease of the two paths for Casey and that he saw the end, and we don't know if the end of his family or the ranch or all this stuff. Because now you know you go through four seasons, you go okay, now we can start. Like, I don't know how many more seasons are going to get out of this. Obviously, it's this popular. This is when the studio starts to say, hey, you know, we can see this go seven, eight seasons. You're like, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the thing you know? I had, it had been kicked around was it's going to be seven because Taylor was like, it's a 70 hour movie. But with the amount of stuff he's doing and just, I, you know, I mean, there, there's a couple of people on that show that I imagine would be like really psyched to just be on Yellowstone for the next five years. And then there's a couple of people who I could be like, I mean, if you're Costner, do, are you like, hey, like, what are we doing here? You know, I'm like trying to bail Summer out of out of prison. That's like my plot line for the season. Like, I thought I was running for governor. He doesn't do a lot of campaigning this season. <laughs> no, and you would think if he has a good chance to win the judge, and maybe that's why the judge... Like, I thought they were going to do a deal where it was like, he owes me a favor. And then I'm like, okay. Yeah. And yeah. then as you're trying to guess what's happening, which is kind of stupid and can kind of distract you from actually just enjoying a fucking TV show for an hour. but. um I was like, is, are we going to be in a spot where John Dutton has to choose the favor for either Beth or Summer? Yeah. Like that's that's what I start. I kind of started playing this game. Who knows? I mean, maybe that's still coming because the market equity speech didn't seem like a great day at the office for Beth. 
Year end review for <laughs> here's your exit interview. You're going to jail and we know everything that you did. <laughs> so, but I, that's, I think that's another storyline where I was like, were there a few more opportunities to give us something? Cause it felt like, okay, who's the old lady again? And be like, who's the weird Terminator guy? And then you're like, okay, yeah, that didn't work out. Shocker. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then it's like, no, we're, you're, you're screwed. So, you know, maybe there's the carryover. Um, you know, I'm not judging that story because clearly there's still some more meat on that bone, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, the same thing with the Casey thing and all that. But yeah, it was, it was kind of weird because I felt like it almost felt like it needed one more episode in there to build to this. It did. It felt, and it also did feel like, I mean, I've mentioned this a bunch of times over the course of the season, but I, I wonder whether or not, because this was one of the first shows, I think, because Taylor was like, look, we have this ranch, we have this setup. It, it is a bubble in and of itself anyway, so we can shoot during COVID. But I do feel like there were a lot more scenes where it was just two people or it was just two people. Like you didn't have a lot of like, random interactions between like, does Beth talk to Casey the entire season? You know, like the, is there ever a moment where Casey, Jamie and John are in the same scene? Like maybe, but for the most part, it's these two hander scenes that are in like random rooms and a, like a lot of information is being communicated that way. So that outside of the first, the action in the first episode, it's really not like a, a family season. It's more of a, like these little break off scenes between these two people, which I think if you've been watching TV for the last year and a half, you can see sometimes whether it's reshoots or whether it's just like, oh yeah, this would have been a crowd scene or maybe this would have been a bigger scene, but they seem to have limited the amount of folks in there. We could talk a little bit about Beth if you want to. I completely agree that like they've kind of got to find a different gear for her now and maybe they will that now that she's married. I, I don't think she'll become uh, chiller, but like in this episode along, she tried to kill a guy during a conjugal visit in prison, blackmailed Jamie into murdering his biological father, blackmailed Jamie for murdering his biological father, told Carter she can't be his mom, only his friend, kidnapped a priest at gunpoint and married Rip. Like that's an entire season worth of stuff to happen in one episode. And yet just like to go back to the Jimmy thing, it's like, do you really think Beth's different after all of that, whereas like Jimmy goes through a season, he's like a different guy at the end of the season. Beth's the same thing. Yeah, we thought she might have to move and she's packing. Yeah. And then she's not, you know, which again <laughs> can happen after a fight. But I surprise uh, you at all that Rip's got the jeans right next to the bed. She, like the jeans go on immediately. It was a great little detail. It's a great <laughs> little detail because I rewatched Succession after I watched this season, right? Uh-huh. And there's a scene where Shiv is annoyed. The report's coming out in season two. Everybody's at that fake tech conference with the vests. And she puts her hand in the air hand dryer while she's on the phone. And she screams. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. And it's a completely irrelevant detail, but it just adds. Just adds something to that scene. Yeah. It's her anxiety of not being present while this thing's about to go down. And they're calling her. And then after they didn't want her at the tech conference, they're like, why, why don't you come out? Optics looks good. <laughs> and I just love shit like that. I love when a writer or somebody's like, hey, maybe you do something like this. And I just thought the jeans on the <laughs> nightstand for Rip. Because you never like, know. You never know yeah. when you got to go, man. <laughs> and he's just, just like, all right. 
Let me get my jeans on here. Yeah, you're that's tr- packing. Seems like this is a, a jeans kind of problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I got to get my jeans on first, even though, <laughs> even though I'm in my home. Um, I love that detail, and I, I love that you brought it up. I didn't even have it in my notes, but I did notice it at first. I was like, oh, that's good. That's a good little, little extra there. Rip's got the patience of a saint, man. I I, th- I feel like you know because ap- he's going to bed after that night, seeing like Beth drinking, listening to Walker play Hallelujah. She's like. She's sobbing in his arms, kind of, and he, he's yeah, just... Yeah, I didn't know. That was kind of a weird deal there in nine, right? It's like a weird like, fake out, right? Are yeah. we gonna Are we going to get another walker? This poor sucker is going to get his ass kicked again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're going to cut the brand right off of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I guess what next for Beth professionally I have here uh, as, a, as a note. I want you, you think she maybe, like, try, tries a different, a d- different career path? I think she's a tough hire. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if her zip recruiter profile would pretty be pretty mixed references. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can talk to my dad. He'll recommend yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I want something like election fraud, maybe. I know that's maybe a little too sensitive for people. Um, I like the Jamie John showdown for governor, mm-hmm. you know, where they have to square off with all the dirt they do have on each other. You know, yeah, but it seems like that won't happen now because. Or, I mean, they could have Jamie run for governor, but just do John's bidding. But are they really going to have these two guys face off against one another with, like, all the bodies that they have holding over one another? Because that's the other part of it. Like, understand, like, when this storyline was introduced to us, the Yellowstone was, like, pretty, I, I mean... It's terrible, right? Like it's a yeah. terrible enterprise <laughs> yeah. and a history of, yeah, we'll literally kill you. <laughs> if you do a bad job as like a ranch hand, you get killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Casey because Casey is traditionally my favorite character on the show. Um, I think he's everybody's favorite, right? Yeah. And well, he rips mine. So Casey's rips maybe yours, a two seed. Yeah. I, I love Casey and they kind of just put him out in the in the in the wilderness this season both metaphorically and literally and it the last two episodes essentially he sees a wolf mo has the exact prescription for that you got to go out on this hill and just kind of sit outdoors for a couple of days with no food or water and have a series of visions including uh lee his brother who dies in the first episode of of the in the pilot episode he has a vision of uh i can't remember her name the girl who, who's Avery? popped up Avery, he, Avery? Like, he has a vision of Avery Steve and Avery. Uh, then he follows a wolf girl like hybrid to yeah. a, a meadow you know like a, and sees these two paths for his the future and when he gets back down to the house he kind of plays it a little bit close to the vest and tells Monica I've seen the end of this and like you mentioned it could be the end of the Duttons or it could be the end of their relationship and maybe that's just like because Casey knows deep down eventually he's got to move back to the ranch and he can't just play house out here with his family. But what was your what was your read on that? Where, where do you want us like? Do, do you want them to kind of get Casey out of that situation and bring him back into the fold on the ranch? Yeah, I think we all deep down like domesticated Casey isn't a great show. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. happily ever after is not a terrific storyline for television. Well, the funny thing like- is, remember when they were like the ranchers came and it was like Casey, you should run for governor. Yeah, maybe we get like a three way Dutton governor primary. Just one episode's the entire debate. <laughs> yeah, like West Wing, where they do like a live debate between Jamie, John, and Casey. Yeah, and it's like whoever has killed the least amount of people gets to be governor. 
Yeah, well, Casey will have killed the most, but they've been the most I confirmed legal kills, perhaps. Yeah, right. As a livestock agent, I have that right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I guess that would be John. They'd be looking at Jamie being like, "You took out the kayak girl, and and you took out your dad." Yeah, you killed a reporter, and you're not not media friendly. Um, yeah, what are you? What are you from? Well, never mind. I'm not gonna name a country that detaches limbs of journalists. Yeah, journalists. Um, uh, no, uh, so. Any final thoughts on this season? I think we've covered it pretty, pretty, pretty th- thoroughly. I was going to ask you: Have you checked out 1883? Love it, absolutely love it. McGraw is fantastic. I, I, I don't know how, you know, just certain people on screen, man, and his his perpetual dirt face, sweaty deal, tough yeah. guy, mysterious, but also not like too cliche mysterious Western tough guy. He's nailing it. It's perfect, man. And then, you know, look, Sam Elliott's great with the whole thing. Um, I've I've enjoyed the show and I like that it's slow. Yeah. You know, because it would be slow. This is a slow enterprise. You know, a bunch of people, especially in this case, foreigners that they're trying to escort to the Pacific Northwest, or in this case, you know, clearly we end up realizing it gets to Montana. Um, but at this time, we don't they don't seem to know what there is. The backstory with the Civil War stuff to build him up a little bit there, where he's sort of like after that kind of thing and like there they are at a battle. He's the only guy left, and there's a bunch of soldiers basically putting their arm around him, getting ready to take him to jail, though. Yeah, because he's, he's he's the enemy. But like everybody's sort of on the same page in this moment after a horrific battle. Um, so I, I just think that they've done a really good job of planting a lot of seeds. And I can you know, even after three episodes, Chris, I'm like, ah, this is going a little slow. I go, but you know what? I love that though. I love yeah. that we're not going to move this along way too fast because this is kind of the point of how. They're doing a fantastic job of giving us a sense of how impossible an undertaking that was back then. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I read some interview with Taylor where he was talking about the things that the people had to face on those kinds of wagon trains. And just like the number one thing is like the, the, the land and disease were the number one and number two, like, you know, antagonists towards people. It wasn't necessarily always gunfights, although there's plenty of those in 1883, but I think it's incredible. It kind of reminds me of like that early Yellowstone juice where you're like, man, I haven't seen something like this in a really long time. And all of these characters are interesting and they've really got like McGraw and Elliot are fucking awesome. And it was just great to see like Billy Bob Thornton pop up and Tom Hanks is in an episode. So it's been pretty that cool. That is Tom so far. Hanks, huh? That's Tom Hanks. Yeah. He was just like, sure, man. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap up Yellowstone there. Thanks so much for talking to me about Yellowstone this season, Ryan. I'll see you at the bunkhouse, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> let me uh let me know what's going on over there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd's like, pretty depressed. <laughs> seems a little tense lately. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's great having Laramie around and all, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks so much to Mike for producing us. We'll talk to you guys soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.